Welcome to Brand and New, brought to you by the International Trademark Association. INTA is a global association representing more than 30,000 brand owners and professionals dedicated to supporting trademarks and related intellectual property to foster consumer trust, economic growth, and innovation. In this podcast series, every two weeks, host Audrey Dove shares with you a new topic related to innovation and its impact for the legal world, with a special focus on intellectual property. Welcome to this special episode of Brand New in Boston, Massachusetts, recorded during INTA's 2019 annual meeting. This unique event, a must for education and networking, is attended each spring by more than 10,000 members of the intellectual property community and beyond from more than 150 countries. So Brandon, you could not miss it. Today's episode is dedicated to a generation of people born in the late 90s to early 2000, post-millennials, called Generation Z. This cohort of millions of kids, teens, and young adults exposed to social media and new techs in their upbringing shall redefine the relationships with brands in the future. That's why INTA researched this group and released a multi-country study, Gen Z Insights, Brands and Counterfeit Products, which explores Gen Z's relationships with brands and attitudes toward counterfeit products. My two guests today are well-versed in this demographic and others. Andrea Gerosa is a true entrepreneur who started working with and for young people 17 years ago. He's the chief thinker and founder of a think tank called Think Young, focused on the young generation and new trends based in Brussels, Belgium, and present in other countries. Andrea also leads a consulting company focused on student housing and other ventures. Cynthia Smuzinska is IP counsel at Gilead Sciences, a biotech company of 11,000 people specialized in the development and distribution of innovative therapeutics treating notably HIV and hepatitis based in San Francisco, California. She helps manage Gilead's trademark portfolio worldwide and is involved in anti-counterfeiting efforts. She was before in private practice at Cooley LLP. Let's now talk about the profile and the voice of this new generation, as well as their interactions with brand and IP. Andrea, you are the founder of Think Young, a non-profit think tank focused on the younger generations. Compared to millennials, we hear much less about Generation Z. However, according to Forbes, they represent over 25% of today's US population, therefore making them a larger core than baby boomers or millennials. Can you please draw us the profile of a member of Generation Z? Thank you, Audrey. Well, uh, not just 25% of the U.S. population. We're talking about 2.4 billion people globally, over 470 million in India, 300 million in China, over 600 million all over Africa. So it's, it's a large population. Uh, they're soon going to be the population with the largest spending power in the world. So definitely it's, it's important for anyone, whether it's a government or a company, to pay attention to them. Three key things that we find in all our studies, we study a lot this generation in Europe, in Asia, in Asia, in Africa, we start looking at the US. There are three what we call mega trend, so things that can be really applied to all of them. The first one is mobility. 
it's a generation that is extremely mobile. They change country, they change job, they change relationship status, which is a concept that, that came up with social media. And, and, and it's something that defines very much this generation. They can easily go on the other side of the globe and meet friends. The second point, it's a generation that loves to learn, not just at school, but since they're kids, since they're children, they are told by their parents, they're told by society, you have to learn. We are in the learning society, we're in the knowledge economy. So learning is important, learning is power. If you want to be successful, you have to learn, you have to study. Well, this then translates in how they behave when they grow up and in their purchasing power. Before they buy something, they really study the product. 50% of Gen Z in the U.S., according to a Nielsen study, they read the labels of products. This is something that no, ever, no other generation has ever done. And the last point, which I think it's quite evident in this one, but also in the previous one, in the millennials, is that they do prefer experience over ownership, by far. If I think of my father, he would have never shared his car with his neighbor or his house with his neighbor, regardless of the fact that Airbnb or Uber were available or not. So it's not a technolo the technology that made this possible. It's really a generation that likes to share. They likes to share what they own because they don't pay so much importance to ownership. They prefer to travel. They prefer to jump on a plane and share it on social media. They prefer to go ice skating and share it on social media rather than buying a house at the seaside and always going there for the rest of your life because you can't share it all your life on social media. So these three things are quite defining of, of Gen Z globally. While they don't yet have critical purchasing power and most of them have not completed their education yet. The members of Generation Z are critical for businesses of all sizes and kinds as they are today's but also tomorrow's customers. What does it mean for brands? Um, above all, Generation Z values individuality. Over 85% of the individuals surveyed as a part of the study said it was important to always be true to who they are and that they determine their own moral code and they are open to changing their views. And consistent with that, we believe that Gen Z is more concerned more with how a product fits their needs and less with brand name. This might be a little bit more anecdotal, um, as our survey did not do a comparative study between Gen Z and millennials. However, based on my own experience, when I was in high school, I graduated in 2005, and it seemed like brand names were everywhere. They were plastered all over apparel, accessories, and they were very important. Today, judging by what I see in the marketplace, the reports that we've done, and the conversations that I've had with marketing professionals, brands are selling more of a lifestyle, and it's more about what they're doing in the world, and it's less about having a specific brand name on a piece of apparel or whatnot. 85% um, of Gen Z also believes that brands should aim to do good in the world, and I do think that brands can really benefit from, from emphasizing how it is that they're making a positive contribution to the world through their technology or services. Uh, when you look at purchasing power, yes, they don't have a critical one, but they start to have one. I mean, if you look at China and you put together Gen Y, which are already in their 30s, and Gen Z, they have over 20 trillion worth of wealth. So it's, that's a size, you know, that's, that's important. And the key thing of Gen Z is that they not just influence or decide for themselves, they really like to influence others, the one around them. They influence their parents. They, they come to work, to a new job, and after a couple of weeks, they teach you how you should recycle, you know. They really like to, to make sure their, their opinions are out. We were in a panel yesterday here at the conference, and one of Gen Z who was on the panel, she mentioned the fact that we have plastic bottles on the table. We all know plastic is bad. But only the gens that raised up the hands and say, guys, you shouldn't take the bottles away. So they really do the influence. And the other thing, as, as I said before, learning is important. So they pay a lot of attention on 
how a brand treat their suppliers, how they source their products, how they relate with society. Corporate social responsibility is, is getting a lot of... Absolutely, okay. yes, yes. Is Generation Z uh, sensitive to one's ownership rights, uh, notably in terms of product authenticity and lawful access in this era of unlawful online streaming and purchase of counterfeiting goods? Uh, in other words, how do you envision the role and place of intellectual property for this generation? Well, it is true. It's a generation that is used to get things for free. The email is for free, and we use it all day. WhatsApp is for free. And, and so they're not used much to pay. <laughs> uh, they download music and films. And, and also it's a generation, especially Gen Z compared to Gen Y, that grew up in the time of the economic crisis of 2008, 2009. Gen Y used to go to their parents in the 90s, ask for a toy. 90% of the time, the answer was yes. Gen Z, no. And this plays a role. And, and it's clear from the study that, you know, they, they do engage in buying counterfeit products and they plan to do it. But there are things that companies and, and society and governments can leverage to influence them. Meaning, if you say and you communicate that counterfeit products are bad for the environment... If you, they care a lot about the environment. And you see what's going on on the streets in Europe now. There are over one million people protesting every Friday. And they are teenagers, you know, they, they, are, they engage in societal issues. If you say counterfeit product, it's bad because it gives money to organized crime. All these are things that they value a lot. So if you're able to communicate this, it's very important. And that's why I think that INTA and real campaign that, that it's now growing exponentially, I think it's a very important point because it really goes into educating them and telling them, not just about the product itself, but everything that is around. And, and they care a lot about this. They do. And it, surprisingly, over 80% of the participants in our study had at least heard of IP rights. So this is something that they are familiar with. The greatest familiarity is in China, Japan, Russia, and India. And of those who are familiar with IP rights, 87% believe that they are as or more important than physical property rights. So that's quite the sentiment, right? Gen Zers have great respect for people's ideas and creations, and I do think this factors into their choice of whether to buy counterfeit products. Where the barrier lies for Gen Z is their income. Uh, their morals are very important to them, but many can't afford the lifestyle that they want. So almost 80% of Gen Zers have purchased at least one counterfeit product in the last year, most commonly apparel, shoes, and accessories. Less commonly, they purchase tech and beauty and personal care items. The reason for that is that they are concerned about their health. Are these new behaviors a trigger for innovation from a commercial, financial, or even scientific perspective? Cynthia, what about in the pharmaceutical industry? Are the expectations of Gen Z something Gilead factors in its development and commercial strategies? Absolutely. Uh, Gilead is aware of the Generation Z perspective and strives to capture this audience. You know, pharma is a heavily regulated industry, so we are limited in what we can say. But Gilead does have initiatives and awareness campaigns that are targeted to younger individuals. Uh, one example of this is the HealthySexuals.com website. We are trying to provide information to those young consumers in a, the way that they will best digest it. I like you mentioned the, the, the financial industry, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's the next one probably to be disrupted. We already see some companies adapting to new generation. There was a study in the U.S. that said that the, the Gen Z, they prefer to go to a dentist rather than go to a bank. And, uh, and that says a lot. It's, it's all online today. And that caused a lot of problems, not just for the financial industry, but also for governments, because governments, they regulate a lot the financial industry. For example, you need now to, whenever a customer comes, 
comes in to do an investment, you need to give them an A4 paper that they're able to read. But new generation, they open the phone. An A4 paper wouldn't work. I mean, you would need a PDF, they need to zoom it. It's complicated. So it, it triggers a lot. And on the other side, their constant demand for CSR. Again, the financial industry is coming up with a lot of investment funds that look at sustainability that behave well with society. And they're performing well. They're not just a marketing tool. So it's a societal shift. And the companies that are able to adapt quickly to this, they, they're already gaining a lot and they're already growing faster than ours. Some of the Generation Z members will be tomorrow's IP lawyers. What will be the impact on the legal industry? What new skills will they bring on the table? And on the opposite, what will likely be their flows in terms of communications with peers and clients uh, and in terms of career development compared to how it's done today. I think that Gen Z's emphasis on corporate social responsibility and the demand for all types of diversity, including but not limited to ethnic, gender, LGBT, appearance, etc., is really going to benefit the incoming generation of IP lawyers. I think there's going to be a lot more perspectives in the mix as a result. I think that Gen Z will be these individuals will be efficient communicators. I think they're very used to spending a lot of time online, um, communicating via email, communicating via social media, and they're used to concise messaging, and they're probably pretty good at framing ideas. So I think we can expect to see more of that sort of talent. And I do think we're going to see young attorneys more fired up about IP rights because we do see that they care and they do respect IP. So I hope that that garners more interest for this side of the profession. As for the downsides, I think that the flip side of the communication that Gen Z prefers is, you know, they're digital natives. They have never grown up in a time without the Internet. And I think we're going to see less in-person interactions, less calls, and a lot more business being done online. In my opinion, it is invaluable to meet somebody face-to-face. -face. I hope that Gen Z continues to value meetings with clients and conferences like these as much as prior generations. Gen Z and millennials before them have redefined their interactions with brands and companies, making them increasingly mobile, personalized, and interactive. Even when they are not a brand core target, this section of the audience can't be overlooked given the reputational damage it can cause. What are, Andrea, the challenges, but also opportunities for businesses when dealing with digital natives, especially in their online communications? I like to look first at the opportunities. There was a study done in Africa. African Gen Z are extremely entrepreneurial. And there was a study done in Africa that clearly showed that they like to co-create the product together with a big brand. And this is something that you can extend all over the world. I mean, it's a, and it's something I think it's extremely useful for companies because you can not just come up with a product and then try to understand whether the clients like it or not. But if you involve them in the creation, they're obviously going to like it. Nobody builds something and then doesn't like what he builds. You know, you, you tend to, to, to like what you do. It's, uh, it's kind of an Ikea style. You know, you, you, you build your own <laughs> furniture. It's, uh, and then obviously you're, you're proud of it. And, and this is a huge opportunity for brands. And, and again, they engage a lot in this. You can personalize it. You can really shape it. So it's, I think it's a big opportunity. The challenge, I think, it clearly is in the reputation and the, how quick and fast you can be damaged online. It's a generation that quickly mobilizes itself. We say a lot about this generation that it's not interested in politics, 
But look how much they're able to mobilize themselves, like in the U.S., the movement Black Lives Matter, uh, in Europe, what's happening with Greta and the environment. There is not, like in the 60s or 70s, a party that hierarchically from top organized them and put them on the street. Mm-hmm. It's a grassroots movement that in a couple of weeks is able to put millions of young people on the street under the rain. So it's extremely political. Look what's happening now. And I mean, what happened on social media last week about what, uh, what happens in Alabama, for example, you know? And, and this is going to reflect, you know, that, that they say what's happening there, it's wrong. And, and very likely in the next couple of years, this is going is to pay off. And I mean, I'd be curious to see the number of tourists that go to Alabama in the next couple of years, you know, and especially the young one. And for a brand, it's important to build your reputation with time because if something goes bad and you have a strong reputation, it's a generation that gives you the time to explain. But you need to have built your reputation through the years with CSR, with community engagement. Then if something goes bad and, and there is a study from the Reputation Industry um, Institute, then they give you the time to explain. But if you have not built your reputation through time, then if something goes bad, then you are immediately burned on social media. Like what happened a couple of weeks ago with, with a YouTuber who lost like 3 million subscribers in a couple of days, you know, in the US. CSR is not an option anymore. Before a company has a good year, they give some, they yeah, give some money to charity. In the bad years, we cancel. In the good years, I, give, I do charity. Now CSR, it is part of a company, like it is marketing, like it is sales, like it is HR. You have to constantly do it mm-hmm. because it pays off. Mm-hmm. Not just to be nice, it really pays off because, again, it's a generation that do their homework, check how you behave, check what you're doing in the world, and then act accordingly. So, you know, now on, on Instagram, but in most of the countries, they force influencer to mention when it's a paid advertisement. If uh, this generation, if they feel it's an advertisement but you don't say it, They don't like it at all. So way better to say, listen, this is an advertisement and it's fine and it's okay. It's part of a game. Or to say, you know, that's a product that I commonly use. But if I find out, then then, then you're burnt. Uh, Brennan New puts the focus on innovation and notably the conditions for new technologies and other innovative products and services to flourish. Is there some added value for companies to involve young people in all steps leading to innovation, such as R&D, production, marketing, and other functions? I think they're adding a fresh perspective, again, in terms of diversity and diversity in all respects helps introduce, you know, fresh perspectives and new ideas to the table. And it challenges the status quo, which is good for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. And I know Gilead is actively trying to hire Gen Z in many of its departments. It's not really possible to do so yet in the legal department because the oldest Gen Z members are 24, so they're just graduating from law school. But I know that that is an active so, strategy that we are taking and we are already doing that in other departments such as R&D. To conclude, could you tell us your secrets? How do you keep up with innovation, with social media trends, with with what's hot for young people and if you were to give to our listeners one practical advice a source a publication beyond instagram uh, to make them more knowledgeable in today's topic what, what would it be as a think tank it's part of our job to read everything that goes on about this generation and, and to listen to them and 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 not just make our own studies as we do but also read the studies that are done by others so it's it's kind of our daily business to to keep up with them practical advice I would say two. The first one, well, you can, you can follow Think Young. We have a nice newsletter that goes out on a monthly basis and, and cover all this research done, not just by us, but also by others. So thinkyoung.org and you click on newsletter and you subscribe and, uh, and you get the monthly newsletter. The second one, which is what we try to do as a philosophy, as an organization, and I try to do personally, is to trust them. You know, trust young generation, listen to them. They have a lot to share. They like to engage 
give them more responsibilities. I always believe that if you give more responsibilities to people, they become more responsible. <laughs> so sometimes we look at someone who's 20 and we say, no, but, you know, they go out in the weekends, they party too much, they're not responsible. Well, give them the responsibilities, that will make them responsible. And, and the magic will happen. There is a nice movement now, or at least tradition, that in, in some companies is happening, which is called spend the day with a CEO. And basically, they take the young employees, and on a round basis, they spend one day with a CEO. And this is useful and great if a CEO listens to them. If he just, you know, follow me and take notes, then it's useless. But if you really, as a company, you take someone who's 20, 21, 25, and on a monthly basis, on a rotation, someone can spend a day with a CEO, it's going to be useful for the CEO and for the young person. I like that approach. Well, but I did work on the survey that Inta recently published, and that's available online. It's called Gen Z Insights, uh, Brands and Counterfeit Products. And we have a report that is a composite report for all the international findings. And we also have separate reports for each of the 10 countries that we did the study in, which include Argentina, China, India, Indonesia, Italy, Japan, Mexico, Nigeria, Russia, and the U.S. So I encourage Whoa, everybody okay. <laughs> to check that out. And there's also infographics for each of these countries if you just want to get a snapshot of that info. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you for having us, Audrey. My guests today were Andrea Gerosa and Cynthia Smuzinska at the 2019 INTA annual meeting in Boston. Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune in every two weeks on Tuesday for future episodes of Brand and New, a podcast from the International Trademark Association. If you liked this episode and think someone else would too, please share it. And to learn more about INTA, please visit INTA.org.